Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Runners World Podcast with me, Rick Pearson. And me, Ben Hobson. Today we're talking with running physio Tom Goom about all things shin splints. It's a good one. It's a I good mean, one. I say this about every single one yeah. of them. But um, Tom's great at just breaking down what, what's the, what the problem is, what the problem may be, what the, the many options that you have when it comes to yeah. problems and then how to sort of approach them. And yeah. I think the shin is one of those ones where we have... A, a, a multitude of recurring things all mm. squished in underneath the shin splints kind of name brand yeah, a very misdiagnosed kind of problem as well yeah, yeah. so um if you've got any form of shin pain discomfort issue listen on listen on because this is this is this is the one this is the one for you um we've both been running ben um you've been doing the ben fleet 15 which was actually named after you i found out today. yes yeah, yeah 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 um you spell my name <laughs> B-E-N, and then the fleet is silent, so oh, no, okay. one, no one ever says it. Oh, okay. But yeah, my full yeah. name is Ben Fleet. Uh, yeah, I, I went out and uh, and ran into a block headwind for a, for a good amount of time at the weekend. Fantastic. Which was, which was good. No, it's a great race. Um, yeah, in and around uh, Hadley and Ben Fleet in Essex. Okay, yeah. Um, along the seawall, some... Off-road, off isn't it? Oh, yeah, trail. There's a little yeah. bit of road joining bits and pieces up okay. here and there. And you finish on the Olympic mountain bike course from 2012 Olympics. And there's a very nice little aggressive gradient to finish on. Amazing. So, yeah, it was a good, really fun race. Did it with my, my mates, uh, Josh and Matt from the dog pack. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've heard uh, And, yeah, it was a good day out. We were sort of in the car deliberating whether or not we were going you know it was one of those ones where we've all been tired and a bit hurt in different ways yeah, not like yeah. chronically but just like a bit like niggles or whatever it was and yeah. we just kind of went do we, are we gonna do this like should we is this mm. and we went oh come on yeah good for you yeah turned out to be a great day yeah but i think if you're racing in january you've already won agreed you're saying and yes to something aren't you yeah and it was a good it's a really good way of uh, like benchmarking the start of the year yeah exactly. I've, ne- I've never ra- raced a I've raced 50 miles once before. It's been a while. Yeah, it's got rare, isn't it? It's not. It's not like a. I mean, we're doing this. I've done this one, and I've got. We've got a 15 one in March. The, the Orion. The Orion. Yeah. So maybe this is the year for me racing 15 miles. Um, but yeah, it was really nice. It was really good to sort of, as you say, like January doesn't feel like a month really where you sh- you would race a lot. But actually, there was you know everyone was out. The, the noise was good. The yeah, crowds yeah, yeah. were cheering, and it really sort of like didn't feel January. So it was yeah. It was nice. I think, yeah. I, 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 so I went down to Canterbury for the Canterbury 10 miler, mm-hmm. which is like a kind of classic road race, I think. 10 mile distance, one of my favourites, as you it know. It really is. Yeah. Um, and the weather was, it was a bit windy. Uh, it was pretty cold. But it was uh, similar. It was like, it was pretty low, like low fuss. Good, good sort of average standard of runner. Yeah. Um, very well organised. Uh, and 
yeah, I felt I felt good doing it. I got this very strange like stitch, <laughs> like seven and a half miles that ended up going like it was quite low in my stomach, and I actually had to stop for about a minute. Well, you did at one point think that your appendix was about yeah, to burst. Yeah, and I was like, and um, the problem was I was wearing these shoes. I won't name the brand, but one was red and one was blue. All oh, right, and Clues. when you're when you're on the side of the road yeah. walking in a pair of red and blue shoes, yeah, it's a bit like. It's a bit like going turning up to a football match in white boots and being and being a, a bad player. Right, got it. I mean? it was a bit like you weren't doing the shoes justice. Is yeah, what yeah, exactly. I didn't do the shoes justice, which yeah. I really like the shoes as well. Um, but anyway, it, I got it done, and uh, yeah, I felt really, I felt really good afterwards. Actually, I felt like oh, I actually kind of achieved something in January. And like I say, it sort of sets you up. Don't necessarily have to do your greatest ever performance. Yeah, but. I think that's it. It wasn't like the best race of you know. Like it wasn't. I didn't. I felt really happy with the result having very little sort of like expectation or, or, yeah, or that yeah, yeah. sort of stuff and yeah. um i thought it was one of those races where a lot of the time i think if you don't feel 100 percent ready to, to like absolutely give it your all at the start mm. of a race you're already feeling a little bit on the back foot yeah you haven't brought your best self to the to the day yeah and i think that 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 can be a bit like well what's the point sure yeah Whereas this wasn't like that at all. This was like, well, we've made it, which is yeah, already yeah. a success. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and on we go. So, yeah, I had a good time. Good time. Look at us just racing around good the country. Good for you, Ben Fleet. That's what I say. Good yeah, for you. Well, so, you know, <laughs> if anyone else knows any more 15-mile and 10-mile races... Oh, yeah, please let us yeah, know. Let us know. Run, uh, podcast at runnerswell.co.uk. All right. Um, well, let's, let's, get our, let's get our guest of the week on. Yeah, let's do it. Guest of the week. Here in the studio. Guest of the week. Sometimes on the phone. Our guest this week is a leading running physio based at the Body Rehab Studios in Brighton and Hove, and he's here to give us a lowdown on shin splints. So, Tom Green, welcome back to the Runners World podcast. Thank you for having me back. Big one. Yeah. I feel like I think this is a popular injury. (laughs) Tom, is this a popular one? People really love this one. Is it a very common thing that you see? Oh yeah, people people love a bit of shin pain. Definitely. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> I think that that's. Let's get into that then. Shin pain, shin splints, shin stuff. Like what? Because I mean, people will probably think one is one and all are the same. So kind of like let's let's talk about the shin and what it what it's comprised of and and what the pe- the possible pitfalls of the shin are. Yeah, so runners tend to use the term shin splints to refer to nearly any pain that you can get in that shin region. Um, but but we tend to think of it as a, a specific diagnosis, which is a very long uh, term, which is medial tibial stress syndrome. Now, what that that is, is that the medial part of the tibia, which is the larger of the two shin bones, so the bit on the kind of inside of the leg becomes irritated by the running and you get this pain and it's kind of classically quite sort of spread out along that part of the, of the shin um, and it's there with running and impact and then settles quite quickly with rest. Right. So that's kind of the main diagnosis we see the most common cause um, but there are actually lots of other causes of shin pain that people can get confused with and some that need quite different treatment uh, techniques and things that's interesting so, so what, what could shin splints be kind of um 
misdiagnosed for do you think well the the biggest probably the biggest concern we have is actually sometimes people will have a stress fracture mm. so rather than it just being a bit of irritation of that that tibia of that um, you know large shin bone actually sometimes it, they'll actually have a, a stress fracture of that bone which obviously is more serious and and needs to be more carefully examined so we I always say with shin pain particularly if it's been persisting it, it is worth getting it checked out to rule those things out and um, the other thing is that the where the pain is, where it's located, is quite important. So this kind of shin splints we're talking about, the medial issue, is around the inside of the shin. Whereas if you're getting pain around the outside of the shin, higher up in 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 the muscle um, around the outside, that's a different condition. So um, it's where it's important to try and work out what, what's the actual diagnosis here before we start managing it. Yeah, I've always been confused that sort of like that 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 front ridge of bone that you can feel along the the shin and like people have always sort of talked about muscle tearing away from that bone and and is that sort of is that is that a shin splint like what's that that just sounds awful i mean like that's just that but i think that that's that's where a lot of confusion comes from yeah that that kind of idea we've thankfully moved away from because it doesn't sound very nice and it and it isn't really what's happening the muscle's not pulling away from bone or anything drastic like that um it i think of it more as the bone being just irritated from working too hard um, you know, we, we've talked in the previous podcast that, you know, tendons and joints, they, they don't like being worked too hard with the running and, and bones similar. So it's almost it becomes inflamed along the surface of the bone. And that's what we feel. So it's not muscles pulling away um, or, or, you know, it isn't really a splint as such. That's mm. why it's not such a great term, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I think it's misleading. Um, is it, it seems it's more of a... Um, beginner injury i kind of associate maybe with some people who are new to running and get shin splints rather than maybe somebody's been doing it for rather like, than like an overuse thing yeah well, i don't know that many people who've done we've been running for 10 years who suddenly talk about shin splints but maybe i'm maybe i'm wrong no i'd say it is more common in novice runners actually yeah so so new runners they haven't built that kind of tolerance to running that that we get you know if you've been running for several years your body does adapt and get used to it whereas new runners don't have that and quite often they'll perhaps do a bit too much too soon and yeah so they they often will be the people that develop these shin uh, shin pains it's also a little bit more common in female runners than men and there are some other factors linked to it so things linked to running style muscle strength for example like weakness in the glutes can be a factor um so there's quite a few different things that that may play a role in uh, in this injury developing i was going to ask tom is this is this very much like a specific to the shin issue as in that we, that muscle in the shin is weak or as it as you've sort of hinted is it actually just that it's more of a smaller controlling muscle and the bigger issue tends to be something else or is it a combination of both i think it's it's probably not just kind of come down to like one muscle or anything like that and mm. I, I think one thing we know now is that you know really any any bones in in the leg if you work them too hard they can react and they they react in a way that involves pain and really the key driver for that is is how hard and how much we're training that's kind of the the, the key thing it pushes it beyond what it can cope with the muscles do play a role. You know, we think stronger muscles work like better shock absorbers, perhaps to help reduce the risk of these types of bony injury. But that's kind of the whole leg we, we're interested in rather than just, just one, you know, one specific muscle, Got you it. know, when we're thinking about these kind of medial tibial stress issues. I'm always interested by those, um, those weights you can get, you know, this sort of, it's like a band that goes over your shoe or your foot 
and then you load up the a sort of a, like a plate onto the the back end of it, and you can kind of flex. You can almost look okay. like, like a bicep curl, but with your foot, with your foot. and yeah. that sort of strengthens up that. Is that is that you know those sorts of exercises? Yeah, so those are really popular at the moment, but they're they're not they're not actually something that's been. Um, sort of researched a lot mm. and I think there's one thing we probably you know want to talk about a little bit with this is you know that these couple of different diagnoses that can cause pain in this region so we, we talked about medial tibial stress we talked about stress fracture the other one um, is more overload of tibialis anterior so that is more of a specific muscle issue so if people listening in are actually getting pain towards the outside of the shin in that kind of muscular bit at the top that that isn't so much a kind of bony issue it, we think it's that muscle fatiguing during running mm. so it's quite a different condition but it still comes under that kind of broad sort of shin splints definition that runners use and the the treatments will overlap a bit but there might be where we want to look a little bit at assessing that muscle and and you know addressing its needs really in terms of um running style does does that play a role is it something that maybe midfoot or forefoot strikers would have more issues with or heel strikers or, or does running style not play such a key role in this yeah, running running style does play um, a key role. A key role, I think. So there is some research that those with a lower step rate or cadence, as runners will often call it, are more likely to develop shin pain. So people with a step rate, I think, is 164 or less, seem to be more likely to go on to get shin pain, and it is probably the case because when you have a low step rate, you're more likely to overstride. And it's that that puts more stress on the shin. Hmm. Um, it's also perhaps more likely you're going to develop some some issues around that medial shin if you've got a very narrow stride. So if you're someone who who almost runs like they're crossing over a line or you find your knees brushed together as you run, again, that can put a little bit more stress um, on that medial part of the, the tibia. For that, um, you know, tibialis anterior issue, that kind of muscular part around the front, that is also going to be linked to overstriding because we tend to land with the foot more dorsiflex, more raised up, which works that that muscle more. Now, if you move to midfoot, then yes, it will reduce the stress um, on that muscle to some degree. But if you move all the way to forefoot, you end up working the calf more. So mm. um, for a lot of people, the, the strategies we might use would be looking at perhaps increasing the step rate a little bit. You know, that can reduce the stress both on the, the, the shin bone, but also on, on tibialis anterior, that muscle that can be overloaded. How much does uh, things like uh, ankle flexation, um, shoe choice, like your foot strength, how, how much does that come into play with, with shin issues? I, I think it's quite important. I think if you're quite strong through the foot and ankle, then generally I, I think it's probably less likely you're going to develop these shin issues. Um, although it's fair to say there's not a lot of research on that. It's just sort of personal experience. And the footwear can make a difference too. So with um, with things like kind of your medial tibial stress, that kind of uh, pain around the inside, we might suggest perhaps a more um, supportive shoe uh, with a larger heel to toe drop, a little bit more support through the arch, arch of the foot, a bit more cushioning might be quite helpful. And actually going to a more minimalist shoe can increase the stress um, on that part of the shin. So we wouldn't tend to do that. Now, this is where the diagnosis matters though, because that muscular pain I talked about on the, on the outside of the shin responds the other way. 
So they tend to do better with a lighter shoe without so much heel to toe drop because it's that muscle, tibialis anterior, that's got to lift the weight of the shoe. So this is where actually seeing someone getting a diagnosis is really important because it will change some of the things you do. Interesting when you talked about cadence, Tom, because that's obviously a term that gets discussed a lot. And um, it seems to be the cure for, for a few injuries, getting your cadence up, if, if, indeed, if your cadence is in the kind of 160 mark. How, as a physio, do you actually encourage a, a quicker cadence? This is really easy, actually. So first of all, we obviously want to test what people's um, cadence is. Um, a lot of runners listening in your your you know um, GPS watches will often be able to tell you this fairly accurately. So we start with the patient's baseline. That's really important, and we usually try and increase it by about five to ten percent using a metronome. So there's lots of different apps you can use that will play a, a beep as a metronome. So what you tend to do is use that. You set it at the target that you want for your step rate, and you literally just run to the beep. And it's very, very easy to do it like that. It's the easiest way to, to, to change your step rate. Mm. Um, often runners will find if they do this on, the, on a treadmill first, it's easier because your speed will be fixed. Um, so you practice a bit on the treadmill, run to the beat of that metronome. And then when you feel comfortable with it, you practice it um, you know, out in your normal running environment. And it's time for an ad break. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Right, back to the show. Have you done that before, Rick? I have actually, and I, I was told off because I did it during a, an ultra race and someone was like, you cannot have that playing. Oh, you <laughs> for, Wow. Because I was like, <laughs> wanted to get into like a 180, I, I don't know what, I think I was going through a weird period in my life. Um, <laughs> and within about a mile, someone said, you just cannot have that being played. Because I didn't have, I actually didn't have headphones in. Oh my God, you're that guy. So, come on, I mean, yeah. they, were, they were right. They were right. They were right. But I like I like it as an idea. And I think, I think yeah. it's a great, I've done it and it really helps. Like, yeah. It's a really useful little thing. And I, I think that, Lots of people can will immediately think that that sounds quite intense, like having to. But it's actually quite. It becomes quite um, like meditative. Yeah, almost that. You kind of like find a zone, and you kind of sit in this little. Oh, I'm just 
you know, tapping it out. And I, yeah, think, yeah. It's a, it's, I think it's, I think it will definitely make a big difference. And I think like, obviously like 180 is like, and obviously, well, Tom, you can tell us this, but it seems to be tighter as like the gold standard. But for people who, who maybe have a slow cadence, it's much faster than, than a lot of people might think, I think. But be like, yeah. really, this quick, you know? Yeah, 180 is one of those ones where it's it's a, a little bit of a myth, really. Um, it, our step rate, our cadence actually changes a bit with speed anyway. So this idea of saying, oh, we just got to do 180 all the time because a very small group of elite runners did it in one one <laughs> yeah. study. Yeah. It, it is not, it, you yeah. know, it also changes with things like how tall you are and things like that. So w- this is why we always go with the baseline with what the person has rather than just a sort of arbitrary number. So we start oh, okay. with their baseline yeah. and then we increase 5 to 10% from there. The other things that you can do now with the modern sports watches you can actually set a cadence kind of target zone. So you can say, I want my cadence to be, say, 165 to 170. And then the watches will kick in their own metronome if you fall outside of that. So if you if your step rate drops. But it, it is hard, you know, because think about it, you're going to be increasing the amount of cycles you have, the amount of, of times you've got to move your leg in a minute, if you see what I mean. So usually we don't say, right, set, set up your metronome, go do 10K with it. it. It's really hard to do that. It's usually better to begin with little bursts of 20 to 30 seconds when you remember during a run, get used to it, see how it feels. See, you know, if you're doing it for shin pain, for example, see if it helps your symptoms and then go from there, really. In a sort of the wonderful world of prehab, so we've got people listening who haven't got any current, got any shin problems, but they're thinking, oh, I don't want that. That sounds rubbish. <laughs> what are the things that, are they sort of, you know, standing against the wall and lifting your toes? Are there sort of exercises like that, you know, like very focused on, on, on the things we've discussed already that can kind of like aid in, in sort of making sure that the shin is robust? Yeah, I think I think it's a good idea to do some strength work around the foot and ankle. So you could just as you said, you could you know stand with your back against the wall, uh, do some some lifts, so lifting the toes uh, up to work the muscle through the front of the shin. You could add some weight into that, so um, people can use resistance band. I know some people actually hook their foot into like a small kettlebell, um, so you can do that kind of thing to strengthen up that muscle if you want to. Um, I personally think there's probably a bit more mileage in strengthening up the calf. The calf is a major shock absorber and manages a lot more weight than than those muscles around the front of the shin. So, you know, if, if I was thinking about like preventative exercises for this, you know, strengthening the calf, the quads, the glutes, those big muscles that manage a lot of load mm. would be good. But really what's key is planning your training and your recovery from that training. Because you could be super, super strong, you know, in the gym four or five days a week lifting huge weights. But if you suddenly go out and run more than the the body's ready for, it's still likely to hurt. So the shin is really one of those load, like volume kind of problems most of the time where you would find when people come in, they've, as you say, they can be as robust physically as as they can be. But if they've gone from zero to 30 mile weeks or whatever, that's that's really when the shin stuff kicks in. Yes. Yeah. And often intensity is a piece of that puzzle, too. Right. There's a lot more stress on the bone as we run faster. So, you 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 know, you often see people, yeah, I've really pushed how much running I'm doing, but I'm also doing two or three speed sessions a week. And now my shin's really, really sore. Um, so it's, it's trying to find out what they can manage. And, and that's, there's, this is where there's a really big difference in management of these types of shin issues mm. is that we don't recommend running in pain. That is a big difference. Like we, we often say you can run with a bit of discomfort with a tendon issue, but if it's a bony stress problem, it, it doesn't do well running with pain. 
Yeah, because we've talked on this before as a sort of a pain scale and is, if something's manageable and, and if it is, then it's okay because it's not going to increase the damage being done. But with this, with a bone-related thing, it's actually, this is a, unfortunately for those who suffer from this, this is a stop running sort of situation. It is, or it's a reduce the running to pain-free levels. That's right. the thing. So, you know, if, if someone's listening in and, you know, you know you're pretty comfortable for 3K, but after after that you start to feel shim, some shin symptoms, then it would be sensible to cut it back to, to what feels pain-free. That's the thing. Um, they have tried. One study said, okay, well, runners can can keep going up to a 4 out of 10 pain as part of this, this program in the research, but it took them over 100 days to build up their running to just 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, that's over three months to get to 20 minutes. So and it's what we see in clinic. People keep running through these types of shin pain and it it just keeps it irritated to wheel off and either dial it right back to a pain-free level or we'll suggest a a rest period from running. Um, Sometimes it can be as little as a couple of weeks to really settle the symptoms down. Um, People can often cross-train with non-impact stuff so they can cycle, swim, cross-train in the gym, rower, anything pain-free. And then we retest them. We make sure they're not getting pain with, with impact tests like jumping, jogging on the spot, hopping, that kind of thing. And then we gradually build them back up again and keep it pain-free. That's that's one of the key ways we manage these medial tibial stress syndromes, um, you know, that pain around the inside of the shin. Does um, the surface play a role, Tom? Would you, would you be more likely to, to get shin pain, shin splints if you're running like purely on hard surfaces or would, would a return to like, if you were returning from it, maybe running on soft surfaces start off might be something you'd recommend or is there not actually much evidence for that stuff? There's not a lot. I think probably we could recommend treadmill over road probably less going to be less stress on the on the shin uh, bone when you're running on a treadmill compared to when you run on the road and your step rate tends to be a bit higher about five percent higher on a treadmill than it would be on the road anyway so but really we we govern it by symptoms because you can always have a theory oh, i think you'll be more comfortable on the grass or i think you'll be more comfortable on the treadmill but we list we've got to listen to our runners and see if they say oh i can't do road it's really sore but treadmill's very comfortable Right, yeah, that, yeah. that's what's gonna gonna guide us um other things obviously running slower will help um uh, because there's less stress on the shin there um running on the flat or or actually downhill has a little bit less stress this, this is a surprising one for people but yeah. downhill tends to be a little bit less stress for for the shin potentially um, we might get them to work on their stride width run a tiny little bit wider if that's an issue for them so there'd be lots of ways we'd adapt it to try and keep it pain-free with, that's an interesting point, Tom, with, with width, because that's really something we've never discussed. We've always talked about cadence and people sort of like whether they, how they go through the gait cycle. But the width of someone's running gait, that sounds like how, how I mean, as you, you've mentioned, that knees brushing or sort of almost like an overlapping of where the feet cross in the in, on that centre line, if you had a sort of line running down the body. Um, how, how do you go around sort of adjust, getting someone to adjust that? Is, that? is that a muscular thing? Is that a physiological thing? Uh, it's more of a technique thing, right. really. And most of the changes we want to make to running gait actually focus on changing the technique itself. 
So running gait doesn't change that much in response to strength work, for example, you know, so people might think, oh, well, you know, I'm, I need to strengthen my glutes to, to help kind of this hip position, but that doesn't actually change the gait very much. So it's simple stuff. Quite, quite often when you watch someone run and they're narrow, what, what you'll see is that their, their knees brush together as they're running and, and they just don't notice it because it's so normal for them. Mm. So I would use a really simple cue, like don't let your knees touch while you're running so that people just create a little space between the knees um you can suggest just running wider so focus on keeping a little bit more space between your legs as you run but this takes a bit of practice and more so than increasing the step rate which most people get quite quickly most people overcompensate so they run really really wide (laughs) to begin with and it's very uncomfortable if you try it yourself it it just yeah Yeah. it looks and feels pretty horrible so it, it takes a bit of practice bit of feedback to kind of get to a level like yeah this this is what we're aiming for here a little bit of space between the knees um but not no not running like you've just got off a horse yeah i did a lot of that actually because my right leg was very much crossing the the midline oh, right. and it's it took it did take a couple of months of actually trying to get it right yeah wait, i mean you must be you're fighting against cadence is very much a manipulable thing yeah, as yeah. Tom mentioned yeah. like the faster you go naturally your cadence increases and you can do that but if you're sort of fighting against the natural sort of like alignment of your body i guess in sort of yeah it was it was quite a trial mentally to sort of remind myself to do it um because i'm looking at you now oh no no it's yeah oh. yeah the absolute <laughs> epitome of yeah. uh, efficient running form but because I, I would naturally think and it sounds like this is wrong that you know stuff like you know this kind of lateral um lateral movement like with um, a resistance band where you would do kind of like marching to the left and marching to the right where you're moving your your leg away from the midline or like a lateral lunge yeah anything like that that kind of is moving the the body away from midline i'd think oh maybe that's actually helping create some kind of width when i run because i'm strengthening the, the muscles on the side of the glute but that's not that doesn't sound like that's actually true. Maybe I should stop doing it. <laughs> I mean, those are great movements to do. Yeah. But the thing is, running is a real skill element in running. And it, it only seems to change from, you know, what we see in the research and clinical experience when you practice that skill. Yeah. Mm. So you could you can do lunges and glute strengthening, and that's really helpful. You know, if you strengthen up those shock absorbers, that's a good thing but it doesn't seem to change how we run very much. We have to kind of practice running and change that if we want to change it. And you don't have to, you know, people listening into this don't have to change your running gait to successfully overcome shin pain. Mm. You can as part of it because it can help reduce the stress on the shin. But many people, if they, if they give this a chance to settle and then, you know, gradually build back up again, they can do quite well. Um, but I think a good starting point is seeing someone to work out like what what is the issue? You know, as I said, there's there's probably three main ones in the shin region, you know, medial tibial stress syndrome, stress fracture or or overload of tibialis anterior. So it's trying to work out what which of those might it be or maybe something different and then planning around addressing that and and your needs really. Thank goodness for people like Tom, because otherwise we just people would have we'd been carrying on telling people that the bone was ripping away from their shins. <laughs> yeah. and that was it. Like you know, we were, no, <laughs> we were performing a good public service. We've never said that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. but it's um, it's really thank you, Tom, for joining us once again and uh, an incredibly informative, uh, re- sort of like summary on on the shin and it's. And what it's you know it's a very useful bit of kit when you're running the oh, shin. You need so your shin. You, yeah, you need that. You, you so, do need them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one one tiny extra point I would add. Yeah. If you've got pain in the front of your shin and mm. it's very pinpoint, 
like in the front on the bone, that needs to be checked out really quickly because there's a certain type of bone stress injury we call an anterior stress fracture and those require very rapid investigation. So if you're listening into this and it's, it doesn't feel like it's around the inside or around the outside, it's more in the middle and it's, it's on the bone, get that checked out pretty quickly, I would. And that would be one that's like you can put your finger on a very specific spot. Tip, more typically with, with stress fractures of the shin, they're, they're a specific spot that's tender on the bone, whereas with a medial tibial stress, it's quite spread out along the surface. Got it. Um, but they, they, they do present in lots of different ways. And it's something that actually, if you've got a stress fracture in that region, quite often people need to be non-weight bearing for six to eight weeks on crutches. So these are the kind of things we want to be, you know, anybody listening in, if you have any, any symptoms in those regions, just get it checked out. Most of the time with a good history and a good good examination, we can say, no, it's not that, but it's, this is what you need to focus on. Um, But those symptoms I wouldn't just ignore and try and train through. Tom, thank you so much for your time coming on the Runsball podcast. Um, Great to have you back on. I'm sure we we haven't covered all the injuries. There's more that we can cover still for sure. (laughs) There's loads. (laughs) <laughs> absolutely thank you once again for having me it's been a real pleasure thank you tom cheers, cheers tom so that brings to the end of this week's runners world podcast a huge thanks to our guest tom goom and to you of course for listening i'm just typing runners world subscription into google <laughs> to see what comes up guess what's popped up oh my goodness this is absolutely incredible <laughs> there's a winter sale on at the moment oh my god did you know that there's a winter six months for six pounds that means you can get six issues of Runners World for just six pounds. I've just done it. I've just I've just googled it, and this is what I found. That's fantastic. Uh, almost, I find it hard to believe how that's such a good deal. Such a good deal. There you go, everyone. Google Runners World subscription. Head to the Hearst Magazine's website, hearstmagazines.co.uk, and you'll find the six months for six pounds offer. That's a saving of eighty-seven percent. Oh my god! I mean, if that hasn't brightened up your day, I don't know what will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And on that note. Thank you for listening. You'll hear from us next week. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, 
you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.